Paula hanging out with us. Sort of just sticking around after replenish. This is the promised land. This is where the glory of God lives. So I don't, I don't blame you for not going home to Christchurch. It's just how it is. We've been so blessed uh, by Pastor Carolina Gunter. Her and her husband, Sam, leads City Point Church in Redcliffe, Australia. And uh, they've just invested so much into our church over the last couple of years. And, and we just love you. We love your friendship. You're an amazing, amazing woman of God. You're a great couple. And uh, love when you get to do ministry with friends uh, and not just people that, like, I don't know, I wouldn't do ministry with people I don't like anyway. But, you know, to do it with friends is even better. Uh, but Caroline's just invested so much into our ladies this weekend, and I know you're going to be blessed. Church, can we put our hands together and welcome Caroline as she comes to bring the Word of God this morning. Morning, church. Are you doing well this morning? We give it up for the worship band. Thank you, guys. Brilliant job all weekend. Yes, Replenish was fun. Give me a wave so I can see you if you were at Replenish this weekend. There you are. Some guys serving, I hope, unless you're in disguise. No, he has a camera. He's all good. <laughs> it was good. I heard the youth stream was fun. So nice. And biggest numbers across the board. And yes, we love uh, doing life with ministry, life with ministry, and speaking 700 times in one weekend. Um, life with friends, ministry with friends. We love Steve and Bex. Can we just give them a round of applause? Honoring them. <laughs> Bex and I were talking about how good it is to, to do ministry with friends. She goes, I wasn't even nervous picking you up from the airport. <laughs> um, so it's awesome. And we're in a similar stage of life with small kids and wondering which way's up some days and um, but it's awesome, and you're a part of a great church family. And um, so this is service two of three this morning, and um, I just love that the church is growing everywhere I go. And it actually blows me away because sometimes the media tells us that the church is in decline, which is rubbish, because the church is growing and it's thriving with all generations and all demographics. And Amen, the Holy Spirit is moving and Jesus is alive and um, changing lives. And we had an amazing time over the weekend. It has been a privilege to be with you. Um, I wanna share this morning um, on, a, on a message that I've called Building Rooms. And it's kind of a message of hope, but really it's a message of how do we deal with disappointments? Have you noticed that life doesn't always go according to plan? Give me a wave, come on. Yeah, had a plan, didn't go according to plan. Give me a wave if you've given up planning. <laughs> Some hands just shot straight in the air then. I hear you, I totally get it. Life doesn't always go according to plan. And um, have you ever experienced something and your reaction surprised you where you're kind of like looking in on yourself going, that's a bad reaction. Have you ever had that experience? Yeah, everyone's nodding. Mm -hmm because it's just taken you by surprise and you weren't overly impressed with the way you responded. I've noticed that life is more about our responses actually than what's happening to us. Life is so much more about how we choose to respond than the circumstance itself because we can respond well and learn the lesson or we can respond poorly and have to walk around that mountain again and again and again and again. And um, my pastor has taught me a lot about marriage and parenting and ministry and just life in general. And she told me once that 
She plans her responses to potential worst case scenarios. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. So when it comes to her kids, when they're not doing great with their choices, she plans how she responds if one of them's gonna come home with a certain type of news. And I was so challenged by that. And I said to her, but like, where's faith in that? And she goes, well, I'm not expecting the worst, but I'm definitely planning the godly response. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And so this morning, I want to share around that kind of concept. How do we prepare? How do we prepare? Because just like in the natural, there are seasons, there are also seasons in life. And sometimes everything is like amazing. It's summer. It's summer holidays, right? And the sun's out and everyone's healthy and the birds are chirping and and it's, it's bright and it's colorful. And then, and then autumn comes and things start to get stripped away from your life. You're like, oh, this is a little bit uncomfortable. And then it's winter and everything goes underground and it's frozen to the core. And you're like, hello, is anyone alive out there? But it can happen like that in our life where we feel like things have been stripped away, things are dying, things are, there's no life to be seen anywhere. I wanna tell you this morning that God is just as present in your summer and in your winter, and in your autumn. He is present in every season. And sometimes we feel like, God, where are you in this winter time? I wanna tell you, he's not on vacation on the other side of the world where it's sunny. He's just as present in your winter as he is in your summer. And so I just want us to have a look this morning around this idea of preparing, how to deal with disappointments when they come. I'd love for you to turn your Bibles to 2 Kings in the Old Testament, chapter four. It's a story of an amazing couple. We're gonna look at this couple and how they set themselves up to win in a bad situation. And so this couple lived in a town called Shunem. Everyone say Shunem. Shunem, it's the Shunemite couple. And the prophet at the time, God's chosen prophet, was a man named Elisha. And Elisha would travel through Shunem sometimes. And so this couple would call him in and invite him into their home and host him for for a meal. And it happened often enough that the Shunemite woman said to her husband, you know, we should build a room onto our house so that when he comes to town, he doesn't just have dinner with us, he can lodge with us, he can stay with us. And so they build a room onto their home and we see this amazing story unfold in response to them building a room. And so the title of my message this morning, as I've said, is Building Rooms. And so I notice this idea that, that God often responds in to our invitation, that the power of invitation around the Spirit of God is so significant, that God, we will have as much of God as we want. And so this couple invited the presence of God and received the promise of God because they invited Him into their space. You'll have as much of God as you want. That's an amazing and scary thought because you'll go just as deep as you actually wanna go. And so, you know, there are times where Jesus sort of said, hey, buddy, I'm coming to your place for dinner, and he invites himself. But more often than not, he responds to our invitation because he's seeking hungry hearts, and he's seeking hearts that are seeking him. So I wanna challenge us this morning around that heart of invitation as a start because he responds to that. Reminds me of a time in my life where I had 
walked away from God and made a bunch of really unwise decisions and was starting to pay the consequences of those decisions because in the natural, life is cause and effect. It's cause and effect. There are consequences to every decision. Whether it's a good decision or a bad decision will determine whether it's a good consequence or a bad consequence. And so I was starting to pay the consequences for my chosen path. And I found myself in a really dark place. And I remember just crying out to God saying, God, even if you never fix anything, I just want you to come and be with me. Come and sit here in my darkness with me because I don't want to be without you anymore. And God came into that place and flooded my life and restored everything and healed my body and changed everything beyond what I deserved because we know that although the natural is cause and effect with Jesus, it's no longer cause and effect because of his grace that covers us and gives us, we don't get what we deserve. We get so much more than what we deserve. And so he came in at my invitation and he responded at my invitation. And so this is the extent of the Shunammites' response of their, of their, of their choices and their decisions. It's kind of like what Pastor Bex has been saying over the weekend, is that we would seek the giver more than the gift. Because they didn't want anything. And I didn't really want anything from God. I just wanted God. And they didn't really want anything from God. They just wanted him to come and hang out. When you get to that place, it's an amazing place to be, where we seek the giver more than the gift. And so he comes and he stays in their home once they've built this room. They've literally built a room onto their house. And he says to them, you've gone beyond the call of duty in verse 13. Church, there are several levels you can choose to do in life. You can live beneath the call, at the call, or beyond the call. And it's your choice where you live and how you function. And I love what Pastor Steve said this morning about that we are by default a generous people. That's who we are when we tap into our true nature and our true identity and our true calling in Jesus. We are by default, by nature, by DNA, we are generous people. We are above the call kind of people. We live with free hearts and open hands and generous attitude towards things, and they went beyond the call of duty. And I love this idea that because of that, they got the attention of God. They got the attention of God. And so he speaks into their life and he promises them, he promises them something they didn't even want to put into words. So he calls the Shunammite woman to himself and he says, you've gone beyond the call of duty. What can I do for you? She says, nothing. I'm good. I've got things covered. I don't want anything. I just wanted to host you. No strings attached. And they say, so he sends her away and then he says to his servant, there's got to be something. They've gone to such an extent. And his servant, who is a very insightful man himself, says, well, they actually have no children. Although they look like they're well off, they have no children. So he calls her back and he says, this time next year, you're going to have a son. And I want to say to you, you know, have you ever been in that place where there's an area of your life that is so sensitive, maybe so painful, maybe it's been an ongoing issue that you just can't even put it into words anymore? You don't talk about it. I want you to know God still sees it. God knows about it. 
God knows about it and He wants to speak into that very thing, that area in your life. He's a good Father. He doesn't want for any of us to be in that place of brokenness and lack. And so He sees that and He wants to speak specifically into that. So He promises them a son, which is awesome, except that life isn't always a walk in the park. So she has a son and the son grows up and he dies. This young boy dies and she's in this place of confusion. The dream has died. The dream, I don't know if you can relate. And she goes to Elisha and he drops everything so he can rush to the boy's side. He enters the house in verse 32, stretches himself out on top of the boy, eye to eye, mouth to mouth, hand to hand, and the boy grows warm and sneezes and comes back to life and she receives back her promise. So this morning, I wanna just draw out three ideas out of this story about how to prepare for those seasons when things go wrong. When things go wrong, And so the first one is this, is that we need to bust through our own boundaries. What I love is that in her first, so the three points I'm drawing out this morning are the three times she finds herself at that doorway that she'd built to the room that housed the presence of God. So the first time she finds herself at the edge of her home, the limitation, the place where the building finished and she broke through that space and built a room. Many times we live in the comforts of what we know, what we've always done, what's familiar to us, but that's sort of only a half-life. It's a half-truth because when we're a people of faith, we bust through those things and push through those things. In her mind, the only place fitting for the presence of God was a room that she created out of nothing. She wasn't happy to remodel an existing room in her house. Are you coming with me? She wasn't happy to tweak some things. She was gonna create something brand new. She was gonna move beyond what she'd seen, where she'd lived before, and carve a door through a wall and make a new room. She created a space, and so her first doorway encounter was creating the doorway, was creating that space of faith. I wanna ask you, what are your limitations? What are the things that are holding you back that you just need to get ruthless with and bust yourself through? What are those areas? Because that's where the presence of God can dwell. That's where the presence of God can live in faith. It's the only place fitting. When we identify our boundaries, when we face up to our limitations and we stare down our wall and we create a doorway, that's the doorway that he calls us back to to bring us a promise. That's the doorway, the doorway we fashion when we bust through our limitations is where he draws us back because then he calls her back in verse 15 and he says, it says, call her in. And she stood in the open door And Elisha said to her, this time next year, you're going to be nursing an infant son. Oh, master, holy man, she said, don't play games with me, teasing me with such fantasies. But the woman conceived a year later, just as Elisha said, she had a son. And this was a request that was too big for her to even ask. 
and God saw it. But he brought her to the, pl- the place that was once a limitation that she broke through in faith. Some of us are waiting for God to give us something on a silver platter and he's like, I want you to move first. I want you to move in faith first and then I'll bring you to that place and I'll remind you of your capacity and your faith and your strength. How many times in the New Testament do we hear Jesus say, your faith has made you whole. Your your faith has saved you. Not my divinity, my sovereignty, my goodness, your faith. Jesus brings us back to that place where we faced up to ourselves and broke through and then moves on our behalf. I wanna challenge you this morning. What is your limitation? You cannot outgive God. Many of us don't break through because we realize there's a cost involved. There is a cost involved, but I wanna promise you this morning, you can't outgive God. You cannot outgive a limitless, good, faithful God. When you step out, He comes rushing in. He comes rushing in and he's over and above. He's exceedingly above more than anything we could seek or think or imagine. That's the kind of God we serve. You can't outgive him. And so she has a son, an heir, a legacy. But we know the story doesn't end there. And sometimes things do go terribly wrong. And I love her response. She's a profound woman, not given to circumstance or wild emotions but governed by her understanding of spiritual laws that are more real than natural laws. So verse 18, the child grew up. One day he went to his father who was working with the harvest hands, complaining, my head, my head. His father ordered a servant to carry him to his mother. The servant took him in his arms and carried him to his mother and he lay on her lap until noon and died. She took him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut him alone and left. This is the part that brought me to tears. And as I was reading this again, I literally had to get off my seat and sit on the floor so I could be as low as I could because it just undid me when I realized this next doorway encounter. When you've built doors of breakthrough, when you've built rooms of faith, you have somewhere to take your broken dreams. It blew me away. You know what, church? I don't pity the people who go through hard times because welcome to the club. But I pity the people who haven't built rooms and have nowhere to go. When we build rooms, my second point is we have somewhere to wrestle. We have somewhere to go. In those dark times, we have somewhere to take our brokenness and our hurt. There's a couple in our church who have spent 30 or 40 years in ministry and they've traveled the world doing healing crusades and prophetic ministry and all sorts of amazing signs and wonders. And a few years ago, he had a stroke and he lost all his speech, all his mobility and he was in a hospital and couldn't communicate, family couldn't communicate with him. And his wife heard from God and God spoke to her and said, don't worry, I'm gonna give him back to you. And so she took that to her room and she wrestled with God in the room. And he tells the story of how, although he couldn't communicate, he was still fully present. And he was in his own room talking with God, 
wrestling with God. He actually says it was the most amazing experience of his entire life that season. And now he is completely rehabilitated. He's got his speech and mobility back, back in ministry, an amazing miracle. But I want to tell you, they had somewhere to go. They had somewhere to go. Have you built rooms of faith so that when things go wrong, you have somewhere to go? And so I love this idea that that we wrestle with God in the spaces we've created for him. Some of you are maybe in business and you're wondering, God, when are things going to turn around? Some of you may be struggling in your health and you're wondering when that's going to turn around. Some of you are believing for a loved one. I want to tell you today, it's your decision when a dream dies, whether you bury it or you take it to a room of faith. And we're in the ministry of resurrection. We bring dead things back to life. We believe in the, in the life of God and the power of God around those things. When we have room, we have somewhere to go, somewhere to wrestle. And I just imagine this woman, this tenacity rising up on the inside of her. When I read the Bible, I don't know if you're like me, I like to picture what it would be like. Like if I was a fly on the wall, what was going on? And I just imagine she stands up with this lifeless child in her arms, goes straight to that room, puts him on the bed, shuts the door. It's like internally she's going, oh no, this is not happening. This is not happening. Do you know how I know that tenacity rose up in her? Because she didn't put the boy in his own bed. She didn't put the boy in her bed. She didn't start making funeral arrangements. She put the boy in the bed of the prophet in the room that she had built and she closed the door, walked out of there and she was going, this is not happening, God. This is not happening. I just imagine this tenacity rising up on the inside of her. But I love her response. I love her responses in verses 22 to 37. So she takes the boy upstairs, lays him on Elisha's bed, shuts the door and starts telling everyone to prepare for a trip. I want you to read it with me, verse 22. She called her husband, get me a servant and a donkey so I can go to the holy man. I'll be back as soon as I can. But why? She hasn't even told him that his son has died. But why today? It's not a holy day or a new moon or a Sabbath. She said, don't ask questions. I need to go right now. Don't, don't ask questions, just trust me. And all the wives said, Verse 25, Elisha sees her coming at a distance and he says to his servant, quick, go, it's the Shunammite woman, ask her, is something wrong? How are you? How's your husband? How's your child? She says, she says everything's fine. Everything is not fine, but she says everything's fine. And then she reached the holy man at the mountain, threw herself at his feet, held tightly to him. And when she spoke, she said, did I ask you for a son? Didn't I tell you, don't tease me with false hopes? Do you notice she doesn't even tell him that the son has died? Verse 35, Elisha enters the house, finds the boy, we know the story, stretches out and the boy becomes warm. He calls to Gehazi in verse 36, get the Shunammite woman here. He called her and she came in. Elisha said, embrace your son. But the first thing she does is falls at his feet on the face, face to the ground in reverent awe and then she embraced her son. 
I want to show you a couple of really practical things when, when everything goes wrong. Firstly, guard your tongue. Be careful what you say. Proverbs tells us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. The primary purpose of language is not communication, but creation. Think about Genesis. Let there be light, and there was light. Everything was created on a word. I wanna tell you, your words create worlds. She did not once say, my son has died. She didn't once give it power. What she did do is confess the word of God. I didn't ask for this. You said this. So just as important as what not to say is what to say. So I want to tell you, be careful what you confess. Don't confess the wrong thing. And when you open your mouth, make sure you're confessing the word of God. She said, God, you said this. You did this. I didn't ask for this. This is your problem. You've got to fix it. She made it God's problem. And it's a powerful thing. She was militantly tight-lipped. She didn't give the power of words to the situation and we have to learn to hold our tongues. We need to stand on the Word of God. We need to stand on the Word of God and what happens next is the third doorway encounter. We are heirs of hope. We are heirs of hope. We conceive hope. We bring forth hope and hope is our anchor. Hebrews 6 says, it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to lie to you. And he hasn't changed his mind. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters in the inner sanctuary on our behalf. Romans 4, God gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. Doesn't it sometimes feel like that? It doesn't make sense, but I'm still believing. Contrary to hope, in hope believed, and so he did become the fulfillment of the promise that God had made him. Against all odds, God honors his word. I wanna speak to someone's heart this morning. If you wanna bow your heads and close your eyes, I want you to know that God's intention for you is good. He wants to bless you. He wants you to bring forth his promises. It is not a question of if, he is always good. He is always good. And here the Shunammite woman is at her third doorway encounter, receiving her promise again. But she had made room. And in making room, we preempt kingdom outcomes for our future. When things go wrong, it's yesterday's giving that anchors us today. And when things go wrong, we don't blame God. We claim God. We claim God. Holy Spirit, I ask this morning for a fresh revelation of your promise into certain situations. Father God, where it seems like hope is lost, I thank you that hope is an anchor for our soul. It keeps us in you. It keeps us grounded and it moves us into our future. So I ask this morning, Father, for those ones who are wrestling right now. Father, for those ones who have seen a dream die Father, I thank you, Lord God, that a new passion, a new tenacity, a new faith would stir up on the inside of them, even in this very moment, to see again and believe again and wrestle again, to stand on your word again. Father, for those of us who are not wrestling right now, Lord, that you'd give us the foresight to build rooms, to make room for you, 
to make room for your presence in our lives, to break through our own limitations so that our capacity can enlarge, to house all the goodness of what you are and what you wanna bring into our lives. Father, I thank you for the promises that you give us. I thank you for the provision that you bestow on us. You are such a good God. And this morning, Father God, for everyone who's listening to my voice, I pray that they'd actually hear your spirit. Wherever we are, whatever we're facing, whatever the journey is, Lord God, we declare you are good, you are faithful, and you'll see us through in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you, church. Church, can I just invite you all to stand with me this morning? I want to pray one last prayer today. And I'd love to extend an invitation to everyone here this morning. And I'd like to invite you, if you don't know Jesus, to surrender your life into His hands. It's an invitation that God extends to every one of us. And I don't know where you are today in terms of your walk with God. I don't know where you're at. I don't know why you've come into this place. Maybe today you don't know Jesus at all. Or maybe today your life is very far from Him. You've known Him before, but you've drifted. Your life is not connected in a relationship with God. Can I tell you, church, that God loves you? He loves you more than you could ever know. He loves you so much that He died for you. We all sin, we all mess up, we all fall short of God's standard, but God sent His Son, Jesus, and when He died on that cross, He took upon Himself what you and I would do for our sin. And then He extends to every single one of us today, not judgment, not condemnation, but grace. Forgiveness for your past. New life that starts right here, right now. Hope for your future and eternity with Him in heaven. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, or your life is very far from Him, you need to get your life right with God, I would love to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Can I ask everyone in this room just to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. If you're here and you don't know Him or your life is far from Him, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. And I'm asking you to make this your prayer. I'm gonna lead you in it, but this is not my prayer, this is your prayer. This is you simply surrendering your life into the hands of God, trusting Him with everything that is your life, Trusting Him with your future. Trusting Him for your salvation, for His grace, forgiveness. If that's you today, I'm gonna pray this prayer out loud and you just pray it with me in your heart. I'll do it out loud, you do it in your heart. Just join with me in this. Say this, say, God, today, I surrender my life to You. I know that I've messed up. I know that I've sinned, but I believe, Jesus, that You died for me. So right now, I ask you to forgive me of all my wrongs. I turn from all my sin, my old ways, and I turn now to you. I place my life into your hands. I trust you with my life. I ask you to come and be my Lord and be my Savior. And I choose from this day to follow you and to live for you. Would you come in? and make me brand new today in Jesus' name. Just while your eyes still closed and head bowed, I want you to do something really brave, friends. If you're here and you prayed that prayer, 
either for the very first time or maybe today you're getting your life right with God, you're far from Him and you prayed that prayer and you meant it. And if you're serious, like you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you're serious about it, you're saying, Steve, count me in, man, I prayed that prayer. I want you to be really brave. Do something, I want to embarrass you, but I want you to take a step of faith today. I'm going to count to three, and on the count of three, I want you to just put your hand up nice and high. Just saying, Steve, that I prayed it. Count me in, man. Count me in. Ready? One, two, three. Hand up nice and high. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Your yeah, hands all over the place. Yeah, right down the back. I see you, my man. Right there. I see you too. Yes, right down the back over there. I see you, my man. Yes, new hand over there. Yes, right down the back again. Anyone else saying, Steve, that's me. Count me in. I prayed it. Nice and high. So I can see it. Just acknowledge me. And you can put it back down. Awesome. Awesome. God, we thank you so much for your presence that is here. God, I thank you for those lives right now that have taken this amazing step to say, you know what? I'm going to put my life in the hands of Jesus. God, I thank you for the incredible life and plan you have for each one. And Lord, we rejoice now with all heaven as lost ones have come back to you. I bless them each now in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's celebrate those ones who just said yes to Jesus in this place. Come on. Can I ask you to do something, church? I just feel we want to worship just for a few moments together, just off the back of what Carolina's spoken. I just feel like it's really appropriate. And so 